how it is in my house when I'm watching the game Florida Gators play. I have to get the kids to leave the room and do it. Well, this is week three of, uh, of this series, and uh, we'll take a break next week. Nobody will be here. On January the 1st, which is our first Sunday of the year, uh, we're just, I, I, I'm going to do a message on um, missions. We have a lot going on with missions and sacrifice, and it'll be, it'll be fun. And then uh, we're going to do a series starting off next year called D&J Best Friends Forever, David and Jonathan. And if you've ever read their story, it's a really cool story. And there's so much that can be learned from David and Jonathan. And then we're going to do a story that says the problem, uh, the problem with I. And we're going to talk about, very similar to what we did about the un-series, but we're going to talk about insecu- words that start with the I, insecurity, inferiority, all these things that we struggle with, and uh, they're all roots of us. And then going into Easter, we're going to do a series called Broken Hallelujah. And so, uh, so there we go. Now you know what we're doing for the next four months. And so you can mark your calendar accordingly. Um, but today's the final part of this one. You know, week one we talked about dreams. Uh, we looked at the Christmas story, and the truth is the whole story seems impossible. I mean, you see a young teenage girl, she's pregnant, yet she's never ever known a man. And then you have her have a birth in the most unconventional circumstances, and, and a man who had a dream for all these years, it's finally come true, and, and you have these wise men who had been looking for years, all the way since the time of David, for a coming king, and, and everything around the story just seems absolutely impossible. Um, but as we know, God is the God of impossibility, and so we call this impossibly possible. And so week one, we talked about the dreams, and we looked at uh, Simeon, who had a dream for all these years, and that God would not let him die until he met the Messiah, and, and that happened. And last week we looked at opportunities and how what we view sometimes as problems or circumstances is really opportunities, and the birth of Christ illustrated that, that what seemed like some kind of issue of not having enough space was really an opportunity for there to be a symbolic birth of our Savior. And today we're going to look at, uh, at, at the gifts that God has given us uh, on the inside of us. Uh, I didn't realize this until we were, I was doing the preparation for this week that, uh, that really they all kind of tie together. You know, first comes the dream, then comes the opportunity, and then the execution of it all through our gifts. And so, um, and so today we'll conclude that and, and uh, we'll have a good time together. Let's pray though. God, thank you for our time. We're so thankful for who you are. What you do in our lives is, is so amazing. In this Christmas season, we uh, look to you, God, as we continue to move forward in complete obedience to you. And so God asks right now that you speak through me to each and every person here. God, that you let your word just uh, penetrate the hearts of each person here. God, that if they come here carrying anything that is not pleasing to you, today would be left uh, at your feet. God, we're just so thankful for what you're going to do, and we give you glory in Christ's name. Amen. You know, we talk about our spiritual gifts a lot, and it doesn't seem like the most Christmas thing to talk about, but, but truly it is. And trying to figure out our gifts can be a very confusing thing. It actually reminds me, there was these two blondes, and they decided that they wanted to get a, um, a Christmas tree. And so uh, as they journeyed into the woods to get a Christmas tree, uh, different obstacles began to show itself. And after they survived the brutal cold, and they survived the almost attack of animals, the one blonde turned to the other, and she said, we're just going to cut down the next tree, whether it's decorated or not. Right? <laughs> and so Christmas can be a confusing time. Unpacking our gifts can be in a confusing time. 
So if I told you that uh, I'm doing our, un unpacking our gifts, unwrapping our gifts, uh, it's not a fun thing, it would be a lie. I enjoy it. I enjoy unwrapping my gifts. But I learned, and if you have kids, you know too, when you watch your kids unwrap the gifts, it's, it's such uh, an excitement with it. But there's also kind of a fear because kids have no filter, right? And so like uh, my littlest one definitely has no filter. And, and so you're kind of fearful, is this the gift that they want? Because if not, they're going to let you know. And so I was trying to look into it. And I will tell you this, here's some, here's some lingo, especially for adults, to find out if they love the gift or hate it. If someone opens it and they go, hey, there's a gift, um, they don't actually like the gift. Or if they open it and they say, well, 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 they probably don't like the gift. Or if they say, boy, if I hadn't recently shot up four sizes, that would fit beautifully, right? Um, this is one that uh, has been used before. If the dog buries it, I'll be furious, right? And then uh, one that uh, if you haven't heard it used on you, maybe you could use it. Sadly, tomorrow I enter the Federal Witness Protection Program. You know, if you've ever heard any of those, I was just going to break the bad news to you that it means that the person probably doesn't like the gift. Um, but the most famous gift-given story that we read in the Bible actually involves the wise men. And if you will, we'll be in Matthew chapter 2, and we'll start in verse number 7. Um, you know, we spent a whole um, lot of time last year talking about the wise men, the magi, so we won't go into detail as to who they are. Um, however, uh, I do want to take some time to talk about their gifts. Matthew 2, verse number 7. <clears throat> Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word. And I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until they came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly and with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. You know, uh, just a brief synopsis of the wise men. Uh, when we read about Daniel, when he gets elevated to his position in the book of Daniel... He is actually in a position of a magi or a wise man. They were astrologers. They were very intellectual people. And they looked to the stars. And so Daniel would always refer to a prophecy we find in the book of Numbers. And he would refer that one day there is a star coming from the seed of David. I mean, excuse me, from the seed of uh, Jacob. And so the wise man, though at that time didn't know exactly what that meant, Daniel being such an influential leader and seeing all the miracles God had done through his life, he had, this had carried on for generations, that they had looked to the skies for whatever Daniel was talking about that was coming. And so you can imagine the excitement when one day these wise men, they walk out and they see the star that they had heard prophesied about so long ago. And so I want to focus less on them and more on the gifts that they're given. Uh, <clears throat> recently, you probably don't see in the top 100 gifts such things as frankincense and myrrh. Um, gold has lasted throughout history, but each of these gifts were actually more about Christ's life and less about what the gift actually is. Um, gold was a very precious metal. It was a commodity, and in many cases, the type of currency that they would use. Um, 
And so the symbol of it was the divinity of Christ. Uh, frankincense was this white risin or gum, and it was obtained from a tree by making an incision to the bark. And, and it was this highly fragrant thing that they would actually burn whenever they were doing worship into God for the, for the smell of it. And it was a symbol of the holiness and righteousness of Christ. And then finally there was myrrh, which was this uh, product from Arabia. It too came from a tree. It was this spice that was primarily used in the embalming of people. And it spoke to the bitterness of what Christ would face. And it was symbolic of the suffering and affliction that he would go through. And so Jesus was presented these three uniquely different gifts. And each one of them spoke to the development of who he was. And they spoke to the development of who he was going to come. But I believe they also speak to the gifts in our lives and teach us a lot about what Christ wants us to know. And so we're going to look at these gifts in relation to the gifts in our life. The first thing I want you to know is that your gifts are different. Right? Your gifts are different. We see it illustrated here that they don't bring him three of the same gifts. They don't bring him three pieces of gold or three canisters of the other uh, spices. They bring him three uniquely different gifts. And some of these gifts weren't high-cost gifts, but each one of them were different, and each one of them had a significant meaning. Um, this can be related to our lives in that God has uniquely gifted each one of us with different gifts, different from everyone else and different from the areas where you've been equipped. I'm going to read a verse to you. It's in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of ac activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. And so each one of us, we've been given different gifts. But we've had the same God who's incorporated those gifts into our lives. And the honest truth to all of this is that the differences in gifts is what makes the beauty of the church. Right, that God hasn't gifted me with the ability to sing or play an instrument, but God has gifted others, and he puts them in place. And that God hasn't gifted me with the ability to do this, but he's given someone else that ability. It's the beauty of the church is that God brings a bunch of people with different skills and abilities, and he equips them to make this holistic picture of what the church is. In order for the body to function properly, people need to have different roles, and we find no greater example of the different gifts than in the Christmas story. You know, gold in and of itself would have been enough. Frankincense would have been enough. And myrrh would have been enough. But together we have this holistic picture of who Christ is. That he was divine, he was holy, and he was human. And in the church we find individuals who are compassionate and merciful and gracious. And we find them that they're intellectual and they're loving and they're sacrificial. And each one of these individually are great. But when you put them together, what a beautiful picture of who Christ is. Because he's the embodiment of each one of those things. And so it's hard, though, to see people around us and you go, I wish I was as compassionate as them. I wish I was as loving as them. I wish I was slower to anger like them. You know, that's... And we see all these differences of people, and sometimes we get jealous, but it's important to know that God has given each one of us different gifts because all of our gifts are important to the body. If frankincense would have been missing, if myrrh would have been missing, we still would have known who Christ was, but we wouldn't have this beautiful, holistic picture of who he was. The gifts had to be different to explain who the Savior was and who he was going to be. And in the church, people have to be uniquely gifted differently because we have to see the beautiful picture of who Christ is. You know, we, we see this illustrated in our very own church by what's unfolded over the past month, and that we have 
sent things to people all over our state, but more importantly, we've been focused a lot of our money and resources into our local community. At 1 o'clock today, we'll have about 30 families come rolling into our church to receive gifts from our church because of our love and compassion, right? We'll send out over 400 cards tomorrow to different people all over our state. Why? Because our church loves them and we want them to experience the gospel. And each person put forth different effort in each area because of the gifting we have. Sitting and writing cards is not a gifting I have um, because my handwriting is sloppy. Uh, sitting and wrapping gifts is not something I have, but man, I'm happy to do other things. And it's the beauty of what the church is, is that though uniquely gifted, each one of the us uh, illustrate perfectly who Christ is. Your gifts are different, but your gifts are perfect. And so this Christmas, I challenge you to look in the mirror and unwrap your gifts for the glory of our King. The next thing I want you to know is your gifts are not for you. Right? It seems like a like kind of a rude statement to first say that you're all uniquely gifted and then to follow that up and say, but your gifts aren't even for you. But the reality of it is that they are not for you. You're not a loving person to love yourself. You're not a compassionate person to have compassion on yourself. And you're not a gracious person to be graceful upon yourself. God has given you the gifts he has for the benefit of the people in the body. Uh, look at the gifts presented to Christ. They were different, <clears throat> and uh, they were different, and they were not for Christ. Right? The gold. Many people believe that Mary and Joseph used that gold to fund many of their travels that they had to take as a part of being the parents of Christ. There was a cost that came with it. They didn't pay hospital bills, but they had to do census and they had to go register people, and it was a cost involved in. It. And many believe that they used that gold to fund those things. The frankincense was not for Christ to use for himself. It was for, this, for the uh, offering that would be given to the Father. The myrrh, the spice though maybe used in the person's life, was not for them, it was for something else. Each gift that was given was not for the people that it was given to, but for those around them. The wise men brought their gifts to Christ, and Christ gave his gifts to the Father. And if you're gifted with something today, know that the gifts are not for you, it's for those around you. Um, Corinthians 12, 17 says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good of people. Meaning that each one of your gifts are given not for you, but for the common good of people around it. The greatest way I could tell you is that your gifts are not for your enjoyment, therefore your employment. Meaning that your gifts aren't for you to enjoy, your gifts are for you to employ to make the body a better place. If you have a gift, it means that you're going to bless me. And if I have a gift, it means I'm going to bless you. And if we both have gifts, it means we're going to bless each other. And that's the perfect picture of what the gifts were given for that day. It wasn't for Christ to take those gifts in. And we believe Christ was probably up in age, uh, maybe even a toddler at the time that the wise men finally made it to him. It wasn't for him to get those and play with those things. And, and you know, that wasn't what it was for. The gifts were to pass them forward. And the gifts that you have today are not for your enjoyment, they're for the enjoyment of those around you. The Christmas story shows us that spiritual gifts are not for ourselves, uh, that they're for other people. And, and lastly, your gifts are waiting to be unwrapped. I know hearing this and talking about spiritual gifts really can be kind of a confusing thing as we try to figure out where do we fit in the picture of this, of this story. You know, God, what have you given me to do? What have you given my family to do? And the truth is, we struggle with trying to find out what our gifts are. But I want you to know that unwrapping your gifts this spiritual or this Christmas season is such an important element to the Christmas story. That Christ, through his birth and ultimately through his death, 
empowered, imparted to each one of us unique gifts through the Spirit that we can do amazing things for the kingdom. And so you're hearing this, you're probably going, how do I unwrap my gifts? The first, the first step is discovering your spiritual gift is to present yourself to God. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewal of your mind and by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the first step in understanding what your gifts are is to present yourself to God, right? That it's not some mystery of a where's Waldo trying to figure out where it is, but God clearly wants to tell us what those gifts are if we present ourselves to Him. There is a level of expectation He has with that. It's the same that if I was to give my son a BB gun, there would be an expectation I have with that. One is that he's going to know how to use it and he's not going to point it at people. And God has an expectation of us. When we present ourselves to him in obedience, he empowers us with gifts because he wants us to be used. And if we are not able to be trusted with those gifts, he will not empower us with those. So it's important that we present ourselves to God acceptable, pure, and holy in his eyes in order for him to impart those gifts into us. Once that's been done, um, it's time that we spend time in God's word. One of the most underutilized things of our Christian walk is the very words of God being read and meditated upon in our life. And that goes, I'm not saying that's you, I'm saying to me. I look many days when I'm going to bed and go, man, I wish I would have spent more time. I wish I would have picked my Bible up. Like, it's a struggle. And it's not a struggle because I don't enjoy it. It's a struggle because too many things consume my time selfishly. And so, and, and, and what Christ has expected of us is if you get a gift, you have to know how to use the owner's manual, right? Like, I don't want to have compassion and just be compassionate in areas that I shouldn't be. And so I need to understand how those fit into the body of Christ. And so it's important that once you've presented yourself to God, he's begin to unwrap gifts in your life that you then to begin to spend your uh, time in his word and meditating upon it. And day after day, he transforms us more and more into his likeness. And then we begin to realize what the gift Christ has given us is really all about. Right? We begin to understand what it really means. In the moment, um, I imagine Mary had no comprehension of what these three really weird gifts were that Jesus received. But I guarantee you, at the conclusion of his death, she understood fully that these gifts painted a picture of a story that was to unfold. In our lives, God gives us things sometimes that we have no earthly idea of what it means or how it fits into the big picture. And sometimes it's in hindsight that we understand that God had uniquely gifted us in those areas for something that he wanted us to do. And so he begins to transform us into his likeness where we realize where, uh, where our gift can be best used. And then I, I suggest to you that you spend time actually serving. Sometimes we don't realize that we're not equipped for something until we, we get into it and serve. And then we go, yeah, that's not my calling. I've done that many times. It doesn't take me long walking in there with the children to realize God hasn't gifted me for that. Uh, he's gifted many people for it, but that's not a gift that he's given me. And that's okay, right? It's good to know that. But God has gifted me in other areas. And sometimes we don't fully understand or discover those until we actually begin to serve. And God begins to do things. So I would challenge you, present yourself to God, spend time as his word. And then if you're still unclear of the gifts that he wants to unwrap in your life, serve. Begin to serve in various areas. And you're going to find as the picture gets clearer that God has put you strategically in certain areas and certain areas he has other people for. The body of Christ affirms each other and it helps surface our gifts. 
Your gifts are different and not for you, but once you unwrap them, the impossible becomes possible. This Christmas season, I want you to know this. The story is amazing. In this story, we have the beautiful picture of hope coming into our world. It was Christ looking down from heaven and realizing unless he entered the scene, there would be no hope for humanity. We would still be sacrificing animals. But he knew if he could live a perfect life and he could be the ultimate sacrifice, that we could have the freedom to worship in a church like this, knowing that we've been bought by the king. And so today, my challenge to you in this Christmas season is to understand what this is all about. That Christ not only wants to redeem us, but he wants to equip us for the work that he has in store for us. So dream big. He's going to place amazing dreams in your life and follow those dreams. And when opportunities come, even though they're unconventional, go right through those opportunities and see what God's going to do. And when he puts you in the right place, understand he's equipped you with the gifts you need to execute it to the fullest perfection of what he has for you. The Christmas, uh, this Christmas, God will help you unwrap your gifts and do incredible things for the kingdom. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. God, we're amazed by your grace and mercy. We're amazed by the love and, 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 and compassion that you show for us. And this Christmas season, God, we ask that as we turn our focus to you, Lord, that you would do some incredible things in our lives. God, I pray for each person here. Would you know what they're going through? God, you see the gifts that you've placed in their life. And, and God, if those gifts aren't being used to your fullest potential, Lord, I pray you challenge in that area. God, if I'm not using my gifts for you, my fullest potential, Lord, challenge me. God, I pray that when we open our word up and we begin to read it, that you would continue to create us more into your likeness. God, when we have dreams that they wouldn't seem impossible, but they would seem possible through you. God, when the opportunities present themselves and they seem unconventional, that we would realize that it's just you creating something amazing for us to do. God, help this Christmas story be bigger than a birth of a baby. Help it to be a transformation of a life. Lord, help it to be a transformation of a community. And Lord, let Gully Springs be the church you empower to do that. God, we'll be obedient to you. We'll be surrendering and sacrificial to you. You're amazing in what you do in our lives, and we give you glory in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.